Good evening. Glad to see everyone out here tonight for our Wednesday night Bible study at the Carthage Church of Christ. We'd like to welcome any visitors we may have, and then anybody who may be watching online uh, via Facebook or YouTube. Uh, as Brother Edward mentioned, we'll be continuing our summer series tonight. Uh, everyone, the foreman's done a great job as usual. This has been a really enjoyable lectureship series so far. Uh, if you have your books with you and want to be turning, uh, we'll be on page six tonight. Uh, if you saw the sheet out there, I was down for lesson five, but I decided to switch it up a little bit. And so we'll be doing lesson two. Uh, this is titled, That You May Believe uh, the Witness of Jesus. Uh, the author of this lesson is Melvin Oti, and he's an associate uh, professor of law at the Jones School of Law at Faulkner University, and then he uh, works and worships with uh, the Delrada Church of Christ in Montgomery, Alabama. Uh, he is obviously involved with law, so he uses a lot of big words in his lesson. I've tried to make him into Carthage versions where we can all understand, uh, but we'll follow along pretty well with his lesson for the most part, so if you have your book, it might be helpful to uh, follow along. And then uh, all comments are welcome anytime. Feel free to interrupt me if you have anything. Uh, I believe it was Josh last week, or not last week, a few weeks ago that mentioned we get to kind of pick and choose our lessons and when we go. And sometimes you pick a lesson and it's not exactly what uh, you were thinking it was going to be once you kind of get the book. And that's kind of what happened to me. I switched up a little bit, and Eric mentioned last week, uh, a lot of these, a lot of the lessons throughout this book are maybe just one saying that Jesus had or one kind of encounter or event, and that can seem kind of daunting to, especially for somebody like me, to stretch that out over a whole lesson. And so uh, I was looking back through, and I said, who is Jesus of Nazareth? That sounds pretty easy. And I rushed down there to write it down, and Eric had already beat me to it. Uh, <laughs> And then a few times last week, uh, I thought Eric had actually took my notes instead of his. So if we repeat a few verses tonight, uh, I guess that'll be okay. Uh, you know, starting on page six, the lesson text is uh, John 5, 30 through 32. Uh, I'll go ahead and read that now. I can of myself do nothing. This is Jesus speaking, by the way. Uh, I can of myself do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is righteous, because I seek not my own, own will, but the will of him that sent me. Uh, if I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. There is another who bears witness of me, and I know that the witness which he witnesses of me is true. Uh, we'll be reading a lot of passages tonight, so if you want to keep your Bibles handy, uh, if you want to be turning to John 1, uh, we'll be starting off there at the beginning of the chapter in a second. Uh, lessons 2 through 6 of this lectureship is focused on uh, witnesses. And uh, Brother Edward covered part of the witness of scriptures in his lesson. And then Coach Craig did a really good job uh, with the witness of John the Baptist. And then outside of this lesson tonight, there's also the witness of Jesus' works and then the witness of the Father. Uh, so a great deal of 
emphasis has been placed on witnesses throughout this series. Uh, just a few of the definitions that I picked uh, from Webster's. Uh, one, the attestation of a fact or event. Uh, one that gives evidence. And then one who has personal knowledge of something. Uh, when I think of a witness, as I'm sure most of y'all do, uh, I think of court and uh, legal matters. And I know we have Andy and Jeremy here, and I'm sure they can tell you uh, the importance of witnesses. And then just in our everyday lives, you know, you hear somebody tell a crazy story. Uh, you're not really going to believe them just saying it. But if you hear a couple other people back it up, uh, a couple of witnesses, it becomes a lot more believable. And I think God realized that witnesses would be very uh, necessary for us humans uh, to believe, especially in Jesus' day that a man uh, walking on the earth was sent uh, directly from God and that God was his father. Uh, Brother Odie starts off in his introduction talking about how John's gospel uh, stems from the foundation laid by the first 18 verses uh, of the book, which I'll be reading in a moment. And then all the witnesses and evidences which confirm it. Uh, this is a bit lengthy, I know, but it gives about as good of a description of Jesus as I believe we have in one passage. And so starting in John 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. <coughs> John bore witness of him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, he who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness we have all received grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, who is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him. Uh, we start off, we know that the word is Jesus, and Jesus was present before creation. He was with God, and he was God. Uh, we know he came to earth and dwelt as a human being, as a man. Uh, he was the first kind of concrete and visible image uh, that we had of who God was. And we know that he came claiming to be equal with God. And as we would expect, especially at that time, uh, many did not receive him as such. Uh, sometimes I catch myself thinking, uh, how do these people not believe uh, who Jesus said he was, especially after all the signs and wonders that he did. Uh, but I think it's a lot easier, easier for us to look back uh, now and think that at the current time than 
Um, if we try to put ourselves in their shoes, that helps me understand a little bit more uh, their doubt. Uh, on the other hand, though, for those that did believe Jesus, uh, they were given the opportunity to become children of God. Uh, throughout this 21-chapter book, John goes uh, to lay out a long line of proof that backs up these first 18 verses, uh, allowing all readers to undoubtedly believe who Jesus was. And then uh, quoting right from Brother Oti in the book, uh, witness uh, is a key word in John's gospel. It is part of the book's trial motive where testimony is formerly tendered to establish the truth of a disputed matter. This pattern is quite obvious in John 5, 19 through 47, where Jesus listed a series of witnesses who had testified regarding his identity. And then get into uh, the heart of the message. Brother Odie makes four separate points uh, throughout this section. Uh, the first being that uh, Jesus stirred up anger among the Jewish leaders uh, because of his actions that he committed on the Sabbath, uh, which they believed was a violation of the law of Moses. Uh, Jeremiah 17 verse 21 tells us, Thus says the Lord, Take heed to yourselves and bear no burden on the Sabbath day, nor bring it in by the gates of Jerusalem. Uh, Nehemiah 3, 13, 15, and then some others as well. Uh, we know that they weren't supposed to do any work on the Sabbath day, and Jesus performed uh, some of his miracles on the Sabbath day, which angered the Jews at the time. Uh, the beginning of John 5 uh, sets the stage. Uh, Jesus encounters the uh, lame man at the pool of Bethesda, and it says he's been dealing with infirmity uh, for 38 years. And then we see in verse 2, it says, Paul, there was a multitude of sick, blind, lame, paralyzed uh, people. And the story of the pool, its healing power was an angel would go down at a certain time and stir it up. And then the first person to get in uh, would be healed of whatever infirmity they had. Uh, Jesus strikes up a conversation with this uh, lame man. And he tells Jesus that he doesn't have anybody uh, to pick him up and put him in the pool. And uh, by the time he gets down there, somebody's already beat him in. And... Uh, Jesus just looks right at him and commands him to rise, take up your bed, and walk. And that's just what the man does. <clears throat> the only problem here that I mentioned earlier is that uh, this was the Sabbath day. And then some Jews catch him down the road carrying his bed uh, and kind of interrogate him about what he was doing. And uh, they're trying to figure out who healed him. And uh, he, the man says he doesn't really know. And then you fast forward a little bit, and he runs into Jesus uh, at the temple, and they have another conversation, and Jesus tells him that it was uh, it was him who healed him, and the man goes back and tells those Jews who were questioning him earlier uh, that it was Jesus. And uh, John 5, 16 through 18, uh, we see this right after he's told the Jews, uh, for this reason the Jews persecuted Jesus and sought to kill him, because he had done these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, My father has been working until now, and I have been working. Therefore the Jews sought all the more to kill him, because he not only broke the Sabbath, but also said that God was his father, making himself equal with God. And as Brother Odie points out, verse 17 may not come off to us directly today as Jesus calling himself equal with God necessarily. Uh, but if you look at verse 18, you can tell that's exactly 
how the Jews took it. Uh, kind of once again, this is the time where it seems easy to think and look back. Yeah, they're wrong, obviously. Uh, but I try to put myself in their shoes again. Uh, and then because they knew at the time if someone else was going around, uh, an average Joe claiming to be the son of God and he had no real proof that uh, that would be considered blasphemy according to the law of Moses. Uh, God speaking to Moses in Leviticus 24, 16 verifies this and where he says, and whoever blasphemes the name of the Lord shall surely be put to death. All the congregation shall certainly stone him, the stranger as well as him who was born in the land. When he blasphemes the name of the Lord, he shall be put to death. Uh, we see the Jews kind of bringing this up uh, when they're <coughs> encountering Pilate right before Jesus is uh, sent off and crucified in John chapter 19, verses 6 and 7. Therefore, when the chief priests and officers saw him, they cried out, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, You take him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. The Jews answered him, We have a law. And according to our law, he ought to die because he made himself the son of God. Uh, the second point that Brother Odie makes uh, is that Jesus had previously stated who he was uh, multiple times without faltering at all. Uh, in John 3, we see Jesus having a conversation with Nicodemus. And in verse 13, starting verse 13, uh, no one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven, that is, the Son of Man who is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Uh, then in the following chapter, in John 4, we see his exchange with the Samaritan woman uh, at the well. And Jesus strikes up a conversation with her at the beginning of that and kind of reveals some things to her and really catches her attention. And then picking up in verse 25, uh, the woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. And then we know that she leaves her water pot right there and runs into the city. Uh, and starts to tell others about Jesus. And in verse 29, she says, Come, see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Uh, could this be the Christ? And of course, they come running out uh, to see if she's actually telling the truth here. And jumping down to verse 39 uh, of chapter 4, And many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified, He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his own word. Then they said to the woman, Now we believe, not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him, and we know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Uh, both of these examples in chapter 3 and chapter 4 uh, go right along with the claim that Jesus made after healing the man uh, at the pool. Uh, he never wavered on this claim in any way, shape, or form. Uh, continuing on in the, that exchange with the Jews in chapter 5, uh, in verses 19 through 27, Jesus tells them uh, he wasn't really doing anything on his own. 
uh, only what he had seen the Father do. And 22 and 23, he talks about God committing uh, judgment to him, to Jesus, that uh, all should honor the Son just as they honor the Father. And then the final six words of verse 27 sum it all up uh, because he is the Son of Man. Uh, no one was or is today going to escape judgment, and we know that Jesus is the judge. Uh, he wasn't doing this all on his own, though. Uh, he was looking at God's will, as we see in verse 30, uh, which was from the text. I can of myself do nothing as I hear I judge, and my judgment is righteous, because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. And we know that if Jesus was setting out to do God's will, that his judgments were going to be flawless. Uh, the third point from the heart of the message is that having made these claims, uh, Jesus rehearsed the evidentiary basis for the Jews believing them. Uh, Jesus knew that it was going to take more than just his claims alone uh, to convince anybody that he was the true son of God. Uh, in verse 31, if I bear witness of myself, uh, my witness is not true. And then as Brother Odie points out again in the text, uh, just because Jesus has said his witness is not true, it uh, doesn't mean that he was lying about who he was. Uh, going over a few chapters to John 8, looking at verse 14, uh, Jesus answered and said to them, Even if I bear witness of myself, my witness is true, for I know where I came from and where I'm going. But you do not know where I come from and where I'm going. Uh, witnesses were a big part of the law of Moses. Uh, especially when it came to legal disputes at this time. You couldn't just go around pointing fingers, accusing somebody of doing something uh, just on your own personal accusation. You had to have uh, some backup and some more witnesses. Uh, Deuteronomy 19.15, for example, one witness shall not rise against a man concerning any iniquity or any sin that he commits. By the mouth of two or three witnesses, the matter shall be established. And then in Numbers 35, 30, whoever kills a person, the murderer shall be put to death on the testimony of witnesses. But one witness is not sufficient testimony against a person for the death penalty. And then Jesus, as he often does, uh, recognizes this concept and kind of turns it back on them because he knows that they know the law. And then in verse 17 and 18 of John 8, uh, he says, it is also written in your law that the testimony of two men is true. I am one who bears witness of myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness of me. And then the final point uh, is that seeing the unwillingness to believe him, uh, Jesus gave four more examples and witnesses uh, to his claims of being sent from God the Father. Uh, he gives the example of John the baptizer in verses 33 through 35. Uh, the examples of the miracles that he performed in verse 36, uh, God the Father in 37 and 38, and then the Holy Scriptures in verse 39 and then 45 through 47. Uh, Jesus knew it was going to take a lot to convince people, uh, especially the Jews uh, at this time, and so he was well prepared with evidence and testimonies uh, to back up the claims that he made. Uh, now the messages for today uh, Brother Odie gives three. Uh, number one, Jesus claimed to be the Christ, the Son of God. Uh, Jesus' claim has been amply corroborated. 
And then eternal life depends on acceptance of this truth. Uh, reading uh, from, let's see, yeah, the first paragraph under the messages for today. Uh, I like what Brother Oti said. Despite the many significant controversies with which the world wrestles today, one is more profound and critically important than all others combined. For more than 2,000 years now, men and women have argued with one another regarding the identity of one poor man who lived in Israel in the early first century. As this controversy abides, it is important to remember that it is not new. In Jesus' mortal lifetime, his ultimate identity was openly discussed and debated. He was aware of the varying positions people held regarding him, and he often probed and challenged their rationales. Uh, we know this debate's nothing new to our society today. People were talking about Jesus' identity even while he was walking on the earth. Uh, he knew that there were many different thoughts about who he was, and multiple times he used that to engage in conversations with people. In Matthew 16, we see him having a conversation with his disciples, and he asked them who men say he is, and starting in verse 14, so they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elisha, and others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Uh, Jesus has several kind of gotcha moments, as I would call them, in his teachings. Uh, one example being in Matthew 22, uh, verses 41 through 46, while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them, saying, What do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? They said to him, The son of David. He said to them, How then does David in the spirit call him Lord, saying, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. If David then calls him Lord, how is he his son? And no one was able to answer him a word, nor from that day on did anyone dare question him anymore. Uh, as we study this today, kind of like how we mentioned earlier, we should see that Jesus was never on the fence or wishy-washy about who he claimed to be before or after uh, kind of the event we've examined tonight, the healing at the pool. Uh, there's a similar situation in a few chapters later in John 9. Uh, He's just healed the blind man by taking the clay and spitting on it and putting it on his eyes and then telling him to go wash in the pool of Siloam. Uh, this man was brought to the Pharisees. And once again, uh, this healing was performed on the Sabbath. So uh, there was further debate among them about whether Jesus uh, was from God or not, being that he was doing this on the Sabbath, which they considered to be a sin. Uh, they go and get the man's parents and start to question them. And then they kind of just leave him out to dry because uh, they've been threatened that kind of if you believe Jesus was who he said he was, you'd be kicked out of the temple, out of the synagogue uh, for confessing Christ. And the man ends up getting cast out. And then we'll pick right up uh, after he's cast out in verse 35 of chapter 9. Uh, Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And when he had found him, he said to him, Do you believe in the Son of God? He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, 
that I may believe in him. And Jesus said to him, You have both seen him, and it is he who is talking with you. Then he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. Uh, while he was on trial, knowing that execution was a very real possibility, uh, Jesus answered the high priest uh, who asked him if he was the Christ. And Jesus said, I am. And you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the power and coming with the clouds of heaven. Uh, reading from the text again, the last paragraph uh, on page eight from our word, uh, from the book. Whenever one attempts to evaluate Jesus' ultimate identity, one properly begins with his own claims about himself. Uh, for instance, he could not have been a good man if he deceived people into believing he was more than a man. He could not have been a great teacher if his teachings were filled with lies about himself. Certainly, many testified about who Jesus was and what Jesus did, but any honest evaluation of him must begin with the acknowledgement that he claimed to be the Word, the Son of God, and the Savior of the world. Uh, the second message for today is that Jesus' claim has been amply corroborated. Uh, there are a lot of people who simply just don't believe in Jesus. They just believe uh, he was just some mythical character. Uh, they have their reasons like the lack of forensic evidence, maybe and then the lack of a physical description of what Jesus actually looked like. Uh, but as Brother Odie points out, the absence of such evidence is not evidence of absence. Uh, there's plenty of historical figures today and events as well that have little to no uh, proof of their existence, but we know uh, that that doesn't mean they're imaginary or made up. Uh, Jesus isn't the only person to walk the earth and claim to be Christ. Uh, Matthew 24, 24, for false Christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. Uh, once again, it's different for us looking back now, knowing there's only one Christ. Uh, but making this claim a couple thousand years ago, Jesus knew he was going to be examined intensely and uh, he was going to have to provide proof. And that's why uh, he listed the four witnesses that we had mentioned earlier, John the Baptist, his miracles, uh, God the Father, and the scriptures. Uh, we know there's many more witnesses and proof to who Jesus was besides these four. Uh, just some more examples here. Martha in John eleven twenty eight, 28, uh, she said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who has come into the world. Peter in Matthew 16, 16, as we covered earlier, uh, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then Paul in Acts 9, 20, after all that he's gone through, uh, it says, Immediately he preached the Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. <laughs> Uh, these are just three more of the many examples that we have throughout the Bible. Uh, accepting or denying Jesus as Christ is not a matter of not having enough evidence or not to decide. Uh, and then the third and final message for today is that eternal life depends on acceptance of his truth. Uh, John 5, 24, most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life. And shall not come into judgment, but is passed from life and passed from death into life. Uh, Jesus knew not everyone was going to believe in him while he was here on earth, but he also knew the seriousness of the matter, especially in not believing him, 
Uh, so he never tried to stop proving who he was. In John 8, 23-25, And he said to them, You are from beneath, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. Therefore I said to you that you will die in your sins, for if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Then they said to him, Who are you? And Jesus said to them, just what I have been saying to you from the beginning. Uh, like we said earlier, some people just don't believe Jesus ever walked on the earth. Uh, some people believe he was a real person, but there was nothing special about him. Uh, and some believe he was just kind of a really, really good teacher, uh, but nothing more than that. We know, however, that having the power to grant eternal life wouldn't be in the hands of someone so simple. Uh it's impossible to be a Christian and reach heaven without believing uh, this claim that Jesus is the Christ. Uh, the Ethiopian eunuch in the latter part of Acts 8.37, uh, after Philip's preaching Jesus to him, uh, we see in verse 37, And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And then as Eric mentioned last week, one of his favorite descriptions of Jesus uh, he is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John 1.29 uh, The Bible tells us multiple times that he came to earth to die for us, that we may be saved from our sins, and that we can only be saved, uh, obviously, by believing this and following him. And then we'll end here uh, from the book on page 10, A uh, Message of Hope for You. Uh, Brother Odie writes, Jesus Christ is not the figment of someone's overactive imagination, and he was not merely a good person or a great teacher. Rather, he is he. He is who he consistently claimed to be, the divine word who became flesh and dwelled among men. And we are all obligated to submit to him and obey his will. Christians are sometimes referred to in the New Testament as believers precisely because we believe his witness and submit to his will. He that believeth on the Son hath eternal life, but he that obeyeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. I guess I never hushed long enough to let anybody say anything, but feel free to speak up if you got anything. If not, uh, yeah, no. I told Barry $5 a comment. Uh, but thank you all for coming out and listening to me.